welcome to the next episode of Monster Kid Radio. This is Derek M. Cook, your producer and host of the podcast where Karloff is king, Bella Lugosi lives, and John Agar rules. How's it going, everybody? So last week we kicked off the show, and I want to say thank you to everybody who had nice things to say about the show and told their friends about it and spread the word over on Facebook. Now, Monster Kid Radio does have a Facebook presence in the form of a group and a page. Now, the page is where we do all the announcements. The group is where we do all the discussions. If you're on Facebook, you can connect with us over there, or you can find us over on our website at monsterkidradio.net. This is something that I haven't brought up yet on the show, but we have an email address. It's monsterkidradio at gmail.com, and we've got a voicemail line. The voicemail phone number is 503-479-5MKR. Of course, you can find that information over on our website again, monsterkidradio.net, which is where you'll also find links to our Facebook group, as well as our Live 365 channel. Now, if you're not aware of what Live 365 is, basically, it's a radio station. It's internet radio. And I've got a Monster Kid Radio Live 365 channel set up over there. You can listen to that on your smartphone, on your computer, whatever. And what we've got set up over there is a place where you can listen to the best music and sounds from horror, fantasy, and sci-fi films of the 30s through the 60s and movies that remind us of that era. So if you're into the film scores of these movies as much as I am, you like to hear the occasional movie trailer, head over there, look us up at live365.com, or again, just follow the link from our website. The other thing that you're going to find over at our website, over on the right-hand side of the screen, you see our logo, you know, the Frankenstein's monster kind of pointing at you saying Monster Kid Radio. Directly beneath that, you're going to see a black square. It looks like an old-time on-the-air radio box. Instead of saying on-the-air, though, it says Monster Kid Radio, and there's a little monster hand kind of reaching up, kind of detached from whatever monster it used to be attached to, reaching up across the light box. Well, I wanted to give a shout-out to a really good friend of mine by the name of Tom who created this box. He didn't tell me he was making it. He just mailed it to me one day, and as soon as I opened it up and turned it on because it is an actual working light, I danced around my home for about half an hour being really excited about this thing. So much so that I've actually turned it into one of the logos that we use here at Monster Kid Radio. And if you ever see us at an event, we're going to have this light box at the table like we did at Wonder Northwest last weekend. So big thanks to Tom for making this wonderful piece of of art for us that I spend a lot of time just turning on and off, on and off, because that's kind of cool. Okay, so I feel like the business is out of the way. Let's talk about what we've got coming up on this episode of Monster Kid Radio. A couple of weeks ago, I was able to set up a roundtable discussion with filmmaker Christopher Armim and monster maker Mitch Gonzalez. Now, these are names that you're probably going to hear brought up on the podcast in the future more than once, because I plan on having them back. Christopher Armim is a director. He's been making these well, he calls them good, bad movies. I disagree. I think they're good, good movies, but he's a humble guy. And Mitch Gonzalez is responsible for making the monsters in movies like Attack of the Moon Zombies, House of Ghosts, and the recently released, just had its world premiere, The Giant Spider. Now, we recorded this before the premiere of The Giant Spider. Now that the movie is out, you can head over to their website, Saint Euphoria. Dot com. That's Saint, all spelled out. Euphoria is E-U-P-H-O-R-I-A dot com. And don't worry, there will be a link in the show notes of this episode. You can head over to SaintEuphoria.com and pick up a copy of The Giant Spider for yourself if you're interested after you hear the interview. And of course you're going to be interested. It's a good movie. It's probably my favorite movie of Mims to date. And he's made a lot of them. He's done one a year since, well, you'll hear in the interview. 
Before we get to part one of that interview, I do want to mention that we have a Monster Kid Radio crash event coming up this Wednesday, June 5th at 9 p.m. at the Joy Cinema and Pub in Tigard, Oregon. That's at 11959 Southwest Pacific Highway. It's the Joy Cinema. They are doing what they call Weird Wednesday. They are bringing in the movie She Freak from 1967, which is basically a loose remake of Todd Browning's original movie, Freaks. If you're on Facebook, look up the event Monster Kid Radio Crashes She Freak. And you can RSVP, you can look at the trailer that I've posted over there, we can chat about the movie, and I hope to see you there. I'll be there. This is not an official Monster Kid Radio event, that's why we're crashing the show, so I'm not doing any kind of presentation or anything like that, but I'll be there in my Hawaiian shirt, and I'll probably have my portable recorder with me. So if you do come and you do see me, come up and say hi. We'll chat it up and maybe even put you on a future episode of Monster Kid Radio. All right, let's go ahead and get into part one of this interview that we did with Christopher R. Mim and Mitch Gonzalez. Here we go. I'd like to welcome to Monster Kid Radio a couple of my favorite movie makers. I've got Christopher R. Mim, writer, director, grandmaster of what's become known as the Mimiverse, and Mitch Gonzalez, a monster maker for Christopher R. Mim and one of the men responsible, well, along with Chris, for one of the most recent movies to be added to my DVD collection. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us. So before we get into what we're going to talk about here, I want to talk a little bit about what you guys do, if you don't mind. Sure. I love to talk about myself. (laughs) You've been a filmmaker since 2007? Six. 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 Okay. Okay. Every year you put out a new movie. Can you tell us briefly, what's that all about, man? What do you do? I, you know, I've struggled for years to come up with the perfect way to describe exactly what it is I do and how to, you know, just quickly give that elevator speech so people understand my movies and, and what they are. I've come up with this, and that is I make new old good bad movies, which is, you know, classic 1950s style B movies, black and white, fun monster movies, basically exactly what Monster Kid Radio is about. But I make them now as opposed to, you know, back then which would be impossible i was saying that and the goal is to make them indiscernible to the original you know 50s movies to make them fit right into that uh that pattern so i'm assuming you you and both of you have a love for this kind of film i guess you know no yeah <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> very much so i i, I agree a total 100 percent. yes yeah so, mitch is actually worse than i am i'll be honest i mean he's our he's our encyclopedia of the mimiverse you bring up any random probably any random weird movie from say 1930 on and he'll shoot out some factoid about it it's a well and we'll we'll get into that i'm, I'm hoping to, to kind of plumb the depths of of mitch's brain here here in a bit yep. now You've been making some movies since 2006, and Mitch, you came into the fold around 2010 or so, 2009? About 2009, yes. Yeah, I, I had started off as a fan of Chris movies. I had met Chris, I think it was in 2007 at a convention. I you was know, stumbling around, uh, came across his table, and at the time, I think he had two movies uh, done, and he was working on a third movie. So, um, you know, loving this type of movie, I stopped by, talked to him a little bit, grabbed you know my copies. At the time, it was uh, The Monster of Phantom Lake, and uh, it came from another world. Picked those up, took them home, and watched them, and absolutely loved them. And you know, it was the kind of thing where my kids even jumped in and loved them. So we watched that, and uh, I think it was a couple of years later than when I finally did get in contact with Chris and say, "Hey, you know, I, I make masks. I do this sort of thing. Um, I used to. 
But uh, it'd be fun to kind of start it back up again and see if I had something I can contribute to the movies. And that's how that came about. So I, I want to give our listeners just an idea as to the kind of movies you know make by just going through the titles. Uh, I've got your filmography from the IMDb right here in front of me. It all started with the monster Phantom Lake. And we have It Came From Another World, Cave Women on Mars, Terror From Beneath the Earth, Destination Outer Space, the award-winning Attack of the Moon Zombies. Multi-award-winning. That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> House of Ghosts, and most recently, The Giant Spider. So just listening to these titles alone, they seem to fit right in with that whole 50s sci-fi vibe, whether it be like a Universal kind of thing or, or one of the other studios. I mean, it, it, the titles alone kind of tell you exactly what you're in for uh, with these movies. It's fantastic. And just, just looking at this uh, list of, of names. Like I said earlier, trying to make them indiscernible to you know early uh, films like AIP releases or, or such. Sometimes the films themselves uh, usually start off as just titles because we're making these very specific movies in a very specific style. Getting a good title that grabs people that really says, hey, you know, can tell you what it is right off the bat is pretty much somewhat essential to this style uh something like cave women on mars literally started as just a funny title that i was like i don't know what that is but i'm making that mitch you said you you came to the movie just kind of finding chris at a, a convention uh, chris has it been easy for you to kind of grab a group of people that are into these kinds of movies to to, to form your your group of, of friends and filmmaking colleagues to make these movies you know it's it's been a gradual process it wasn't something that just sort of happened overnight i mean people have come and go i mean these are, these are very low budget movies so none of us are really getting paid uh so there's that obviously some people come and they'll do a movie or two and then you know other stuff happens and they move on mitch was one of those people that i was lucky enough to sort of randomly find i mean you know it was creepy at first of course hey i want to help you with your movies um but you know he came in and he's talented as hell so now we're trying to do anything we can to make sure he doesn't leave i mean um, no. <laughs> oh sweet see we got that that is out there now it's uh, it's recorded <laughs> it's admissible in court he's stuck uh no so yeah we just picked up people along the way and you know it's taken, you know, eight years to finally get to a point where I feel like we have a really solid core group of people that are, you know, behind the scenes and really understand this and are really pushing to make these movies better and better and better. And I think that's happening as a result. I, I, I think, you know, obviously when we first started, it was a learning process because even I really didn't know what I was doing back then. And now I feel like at least with eight movies, I have an inkling of what's going on. So with a lot of the same people coming back, uh, especially in front of the camera, one thing that I've really enjoyed about your guys' movies is that you know, you'll see characters appear in different films. I mean, the same character appear in different movies. So when we say the Mimiverse, we're, we're meaning that literally these movies all take place in the same universe. Was that an intentional decision from the beginning? I suppose at the very beginning, I honestly didn't know if I'd make more than one movie, um, just because it is a lot of work to make a movie. Uh, and it was... And it continues to be. So I didn't know at the very beginning when I made the monster Phantom Lake, if that would be, you know, it, my collaborator at the time was Josh Craig, the guy who played professor Jackson, which is one of the main characters in the movie. Uh, he and I always used to joke because we really wanted to make a movie that, you know, we would make one movie. And then five years later, we'd be sitting around with, you know, a thousand DVDs in our garage laughing about, Hey, remember when we made that movie? And then, as soon as I started doing it, uh, I kind of hooked on it and couldn't stop. 
you know, after making the first cheesy 50s style movie and it was so well received and I enjoyed the experience so much, I started I started thinking about the next thing I wanted to do and realized that I just wanted to do another cheesy 50s film and we ended up making It Came From Another World, which to a certain extent was a sequel to the monster of phantom lake like i think most of the characters in that are in the monster of phantom lake and it is in essence a sequel uh, a standalone sequel and so that sort of precipitated making more in this genre partially because i was like well i can at least make a sequel because people love the monster of phantom lake so much being a sequel it's to be in the same world it doesn't make sense if it doesn't after that i sort of enjoyed it so damn much that i figured you know what I'll just keep doing it, and I'm going to link them all, just in some little way, just because it just sounded like something fun, and like, this would be a great t- great idea, you know? And after, I think, Cave Loon on Mars, and I, I sort of made the conscious decision that I wasn't going to do anything other than these, these cheesy Mimiverse movies, it just sort of, I don't know, expanded from there, I guess. I know when I, you know, originally came on board with the first two, saw those, and, you know, I... I saw those as a, the first movie and then kind of a sequel. And then as you started bringing the other ones out before I got, I liked how you started stringing characters together and a minor character in one movie might have a major role in another and one offspring, you know, that sort of thing. So I, I liked when you did that and I thought it was really cool myself. Well, and I, and it became one of those things where, you know, a lot of people started to notice that they were all linked because, you know, they're written in such a way, and anyone who's listening to this may be like, oh, no, I have to see the first one to see the new one. You don't. I mean, they're written and made in such a way so you can see one at any... I mean, you could literally just watch The Giant Spider now, and you won't be lost at all. You won't have exactly. to see any of the others. But if you do, uh, you'll start noticing other cool little subtle things that will link them together and uh, expand your enjoyment of it in, in a cert- to a certain extent, but you don't have to. And that's, that's actually the challenge now is trying to keep them all together in such a way that they're not too, I don't know what the word is. It's too early and I can't think. Um, a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, I just, I want to make sure that people can come in and see any one of my movies and not be lost. And that's actually where I wanted to go with this. I mean, you've got all these movies, but, if you only want to watch one or two, you can. I don't know why you would only want to watch one or two, but you don't have to watch the other movies to know what's going on in the in the, the other movies in the library here. Uh, and you mentioned The Giant Spider being the most recent film. I'm excited about this one. I mean, this is a big bug movie, which is something that we all enjoy. Can we talk a little bit about what The Giant Spider is about without giving away too many spoilers? Uh, well, see, uh, there's a giant spider. Excellent. Okay. Move, no, go ahead. <laughs> I, well, it's almost like that's enough. I mean, if you if you like big bug movies from the 50s, that's all you really need to know. There's a giant spider and people are trying to stop it because it's eating people. You know, uh, we created a, a story where there's a, say, 15, 20 foot bug that's uh, created by some leftover radiation. <laughs> Of course, because what else causes, you know, giant bugs in the 50s than radiation? And it starts moving toward uh, the major population center of the Mimiverse, basically. And a group of scientists uh, and, a, and a newspaper reporter and a an army general uh, trying to stop it before it gets to, as, as one of the characters put it, to the all-you-can-eat people buffet. And that's it. I mean, that's all you need to know. There's a giant spider and people are trying to stop it and it, 
We used a real tarantula. That's all you need to know. <laughs> Sign me up. <laughs> now, with this particular movie, uh, Mitch, you're known for creating a lot of the monsters. And now, over the past three or four movies, you've been doing a lot of the monster work. But Chris just said he used a real tarantula. Were, were you still able to find a way to work your Mitch magic on this? Yes, I was. Uh, the intention with this was to you know, use a live spider for the action and also kind of use a um, insert uh, puppet head a la the black scorpion. Yes. Where you cut away and you'd have this drooling, this, this head shot of the actual spider. So, and in keeping with the kind of the memoriverse creatures, you know, it had to be bug eyed and had a lot of teeth and things. So it was um, done in that, that fashion to kind of tie it, link it into the other creatures. Plus, he made a giant spider leg. And and also, you know, every bug movie has some kind of giant limb coming through a door. And so I, I fabricated a, a giant spider leg as well to kind of interact with the actors. <laughs> Excellent, man. I can't wait to see the movie. As we're recording this, it's on the way to me. We're actually recording this just before the world premiere. By the time this goes out, everybody can get their own copy of the movie by going to uh, Chris's website. Uh, let, let's throw that out there real quick. It's SaintEuphoria.com, right? Yes, or if that's hard to spell or remember, if you just go to thegiantspider.com, it'll get you there. Excellent. That's where you can pick up The Giant Spider and all their other movies. And we'll drop the website address again during this conversation, and it'll be on the website over at monsterkidradio.net, so you can find out, you know, find a way to, to get your hands on these movies, uh, which, like I said, I can't wait to see The Giant Spider-Man, and, and I hope the premiere goes well. I'm sure it will. By the time this goes out, you know, we'll know for sure, but I'm sure it'll go great. I'm hoping so. Uh, I, I honestly, I think it's. Uh, I think it's one of my best films. Uh, I think it's one of the best things I've ever made. Uh, it's it's snappy. It's entertaining as hell. And I mean, I, I'm, I can be super hypercritical of my work, and I just i I don't really have too many bad things to say about this one. So um, I'm I'm excited as heck that people can see it, uh, and I, I think it's going to go over well. I really do. Well, how many times has your uh, young son seen it already? Uh, yeah, my three-year-old son has seen it about 400 times. Um, maybe not that many, but at least at least 50 plus. He absolutely adores it. And that's the thing about my movies, you know, kids of all ages can can enjoy them. That's not to say they're for kids, but they're, you know, being authentic to the 50s style, you aren't allowed to do extreme nudity or gore or anything like that uh, beyond, I suppose, what they did, some of the some of the British films of the fifties were probably the more extreme ones, but uh, it it allows you know uh, for kids to be able to enjoy my films, and actually, like kids do like my movies um, because they're like I always I always say this, which is they're scary enough to scare them, but not so much that it'll you know traumatize them. So yeah, my my kids have seen the movie uh, a bunch of times after you know they've seen and they've seen it in different forms too, you know, sort of rough cuts to final cut and they've seen it tons of times and they love it and and i'm well, people are going to absolutely adore it <laughs> well, I, was say, I kind of remember bringing the, the spider puppet over to, to shoot in the basement uh, uh i should say the studio and um studio the studio yeah, not the studio. Furniture, and the as studio. i'm walking in i know your, your young younger kids are kind of standoffing at it and then they kind of come up and look at it and poke at it and then they seem to like it i think but at first there's that kind of what the heck is that <laughs> Yeah. So, Mitch, you mentioned uh, one of my favorite big bug movies just a second ago in passing. I don't know if that was on purpose or not, but the Black Scorpion uh, movies did you watch? I mean, I'm assuming the Black Scorpion is one of them to find inspiration for what you created for Chris's film. 
Well, of course, I had to go back to the uh, the library here, and I Black Scorpion was the one I pulled out and watched. Uh, Earth versus uh, the Spider was another one. Tarantula. I think those are probably three of the ones I watched again to get the feel, to get you know, the, to get the mindset of what we wanted to do. And so those are three great movies, three favorites of mine. All very arachnid. Yes. Yes. <laughs> to get that feel, I'm sure. Uh, you know, The Black Scorpion is one of my favorites. I, I feel like it doesn't get talked enough about. Directed by Edward Ludwig, starring Richard Denning from Creature from the Black Lagoon. It's it's a fantastic movie. I love that film. Chris, are you familiar with The Black Scorpion? Yes, uh, I am. I actually really, really like The Black Scorpion. I remember when we first started talking about the giant spider, I think I told Mitch specifically I had in my head that I wanted to do this this thing with uh, with the, the spider puppet to have that cheesy, you know, insert shots of the, the face. Because I always thought that was so ridiculous in that movie. A uh, good way where, you know, you have this great stop motion animation going, uh, you know, with these, these scorpions. And then, you know, it would cut to the, you know, this, I don't know, there's, there's something about it that kind of pulls you out in a good way when you see this sort of cheesy spy, you know, scorpion face. And I wanted to recreate that. I don't know if we pulled it off exactly. I think ours is even cheesier, but, uh, that was something that I absolutely wanted to replicate for the giant spider. That is something that I've always found a little, you know, jarring with the Black Scorpion is that, I mean, you've got this wonderful Willis O'Brien stop motion and then insert shot of the puppet face, which exactly. exactly the first time I saw it, I'm like, what? Oh, come on. You just ruined it. But, you know, you kind of get used to it and now it's, it's just part of the thing and it, it makes it a little bit more enjoyable because you know it's coming and, you know, I... I <laughs> I don't know. I mean, for I would love to have seen more Willis O'Brien, I think, in that movie than we got. But, you know, we'll take what we can get, I guess. Yep. Uh, and then, you know, you mentioned briefly, um, you know, Tarantula, which, of course, John Agar. You know, any John Agar yes. movie is going to have some love here on Monster Kid Radio. Absolutely. You know, and, yep. and, and I, I want to get back to these movies, but I got to ask, Chris, do you have a John Agar of the Mimiverse? I don't know if we do quite yet, but I'm starting to feel like maybe it's Dan Sherman. I, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. So Dan's been in how many? Of, He's the, the actual well, star well, of only about two of them, actually. I mean, uh, or three of them where he's been a, a major character, but he's been a minor character in, I think, one or two more. But he's one of those guys, much like John Agar, that he's got like a very distinct presence on screen. And he's always kind of playing a variation of, I'm guessing, himself. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and that's what it is. He's just one of those people that he doesn't really particularly get lost in a character. But that's okay because his personality comes through and you like him. And I always said about uh, Dan, and I think it's the kind of thing you get about John Agar, is that even when they're trying to sort of be a jerk or they're trying to be, you know, scoundrelly, if that's a word, scoundrel-ish, even when they're trying to be sort of a jerk, they still come off as charming. Uh, and I think that's a rare quality to have that. And that's one of the things I like about working with Mr. Shervin. Um, and, and it's one of the things I think, like I said, um, John Agar had too, is that he just, no matter how hard he tried in some of these films to, to seem like a, a womanizer or a bad, you know, not nice guy or whatever, he still comes off as, as, charming in in a way that that always works 
Exactly. And I think at one point, Chris, I, I recall, I think I texted you one time. I was watching a movie and I, and I said, Dan Sherman reminds me of John Agar. I just, it just, there's, I forget what movie I was watching, but I, I thought he would be that, the, the John Agar of uh, the Mimiverse. Absolutely. Yep. Does Dan know that he's the, becoming the John Agar of the Mimiverse? I don't think he does. <laughs> I don't realize this, but I don't know if I want necessarily want to, you know, tell him. <laughs> to, to us, to, I guess, to, just to us, he, he is, and that's, I guess, what counts. <laughs> there you go. There you go. And, and he's in the giant spider. I mean, he's yes, one of yes, our leads. He's, he's probably the lead. Uh, he and Shannon McDonough are the two romantic leads and, and big stars of the film. <laughs> yeah, he's the newspaper man trying to get to the bottom of what's going on in, in the town and, and uh, help the, the general vanquish this giant spider. And to kind of go back to what we were talking to about earlier, is he a new character in the giant spider or is he a recurring character to the Mimiverse in this? He is a new character, Excellent. but is related to a, a character from a previous film. Excellent. And Shannon McDonough, also new character. Shannon McDonough plays a completely new character and uh, she has a, a, a bad Polish accent. Um, you see the check. To, to, yeah. <laughs> Uh, just to, to you know, shake things up a little bit, so you don't think she's playing the same character. Now she does seem to disappear into her roles in all the movies that I've seen her in. I mean, Dan, and, yes. and I'm not, you know, and I think I, I want to make it clear we are speaking incredibly respectfully about what Dan does. But you're right; he is such a a strong, charismatic personality. It's Dan. Shannon disappears into her roles in a different way. Yeah, she she's one of those actors who she'll sort of inhabit a character until there's no Shannon left uh, aside from the looks. And even the looks, it's it's amazing how she does her own hair and makeup and has always done that. And she'll even go to, as far as doing subtle little touches of each character. I mean, the first character she played was called Julianne St. Marie, and she gave her these, you know, this big head of curly hair and these very 50s housewife dresses and all these things and and she even you know her her method of speaking changes completely uh and she does that i mean you can ask her to do the voice and she'll change her voice to sound like it and she'll explain what she does she's like oh julianne's higher in a register and then uh she you know played a character named um, dr hackett in attack of the moon zombies and that's much closer to just her voice and her mannerisms and she's sort of playing herself uh, aside from some of the histrionics uh, and melodrama um but that's closer to her but in this in this film she plays uh, a character named zita marchek and she's a polish because I, I realized one of the things i hadn't done in any of my movies up to this point was throw in the character who is played by a say first generation you know european uh, you know, 40s, 50s still has the accent. Maybe he's been here since they're little, but they still have that touch of an accent that they have. Stuff like, uh, you know, the Killer Shrews, you know, the uh, was it she Swedish or something, that actress? You know, that kind of thing. So I, I, I thought, you know, we got to do an, uh, an actress who still has a bit of a, a, a European accent. I went for Polish because I'm Polish um, to a certain extent, so I thought it'd be kind of fun to do that. And And Shannon took the challenge and you know, actually went, uh, she got tapes to try and figure out the accent and she did all this research to get her accent really well. I don't know how authentic it is, honestly, but she does a really good job. But to get to sort of the crux of the point in her looks, I mean, she's obviously still herself, but she, she did research on, you know, adding little touches that would be Polish. She put flowers in her hair and they were very specific the way she did it. Uh, she added a beauty mark. Uh, and it's amazing how just adding that one little touch makes her look different. 
she inhabits a totally different person. And I'm always constantly amazed by how she does that. And like I said, with Dan, it's like he comes in and just sort of gets the basics of how he has to change his personality, but it still shines through. Um, and Shannon is much more of a get lost in the character kind of a an actor. And I put them together specifically because I think they're of the actors I've worked with. They're some of the most charismatic on screen uh, and people always respond to them. So I thought, you know, I want to put my sort of two quote unquote biggest actors in a film together and see what happens. And I think it uh, I think it turned out really well. Huge thanks to Mitch and Chris for getting up early on their Saturday morning to chat with us here at Monster Kid Radio about the giant spider and what they do as filmmakers. And we'll hear more in part two of that interview, which will be coming up in the next episode of Monster Kid Radio here in a couple of days. Again, you can find all of our contact information and everything else that you need to know over at our website at monsterkidradio.net, including our contact information if you want to get a hold of us or leave us a voicemail for an upcoming episode of the show. All original content of this episode is copyright Monster Kid Radio LLC and is licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivations 3.0 Unported License. That does not extend to the song that we're going to go out on. This is from the Night Hobbs. It's a song called Spider Smash, and it appears in the soundtrack for The Giant Spider. You're going to hear another song by them called The Giant Spider in the next episode of Monster Kid Radio. So I'll see you in a few days for that. Again, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, man.